Welcome to the podcast series on sexual health for seniors with Dr. Sue and Fran Carl. This podcast series is based on conversations with seniors about sexual health, sexual desire and related matters. This week we'll be talking about Philip's story. You're listening to Dr. Sue and Fran Carl. In this session, we'll be discussing Philip, his experience of sexual desire in older age and compromises he made to live the life he desired. Welcome, Fran. Thank you, Dr. Sue. Just to give a bit of background, sexual desire in older age was a topic that I researched some years ago. At the time, people who knew what I was researching advised me that older people wouldn't talk to me about sexuality, let alone their own experiences of sexual desire. I disagreed with them at the time and would still disagree with them today, particularly since my experience of speaking with some older people about the topic has shown otherwise. Many older people have not had the opportunity to discuss sexual health or their experiences of sexual desire and they welcome the opportunity to do so. Of course, I can't generalise and can only speak of the experience I had in discussing the topic with the older people with whom I came into contact and who were keen to share their experience of of sexual desire as an older person. What do you think, Fran? Do you think there is a reluctance among the older generation to discuss their sexual experiences? Dr. Sue, I really do think there is a reluctance and in looking at the causes of that, I think it's important to look at, as we've mentioned in other podcast, what the generational changes have been over time, where the swinging 60s meant free love, but, you know, there is the idea that free love meant, well, women weren't able to say no anymore, you know, and Mm. uh, so there's a whole bunch of things that probably could be explored in other topics. But absolutely, yes, I think there's a reluctance among the older generation. I mentioned it to you before we came onto the podcast, Dr. Sue, I was really thrilled to go to Gallery of Modern Art at the Cultural Centre on South Bank, and I was in the company of older ladies, probably in their 70s. And these ladies had been married for a very long time. And there was an installation there that was quite an interesting, it was a very long sentence and it was stretched along about, oh, six metres, I think. And the actual letters of the words were formed by depictions of naked males. And it was quite a startling exhibition, but I really was engaged in trying to find the letters that were being formed by the male bodies. But the ladies that I was with, they called it the dirty ball. And I was really struck by the different responses, and we weren't that many years age difference, Mm -hmm. that their response was it was the dirty wall. And there wasn't any form that it was of a sexual nature. They were just naked male bodies. And some of them, as I said, were quite startling if you weren't expecting that to see on the wall. But to me, it was the reluctance to speak about sexual experience can also lead to the whole reluctance of um, the idea of being naked while you're in the sexual intercourse. Is that something that people are used to? And so there was a a whole Mm. bunch of things that were rolling through my mind. And was it in preparation for this podcast? Maybe. Um, (laughs) But it was really interesting to see absolutely different responses to this really very interesting um, installation at GOMA. So to answer in a a short way to your question is, do you think there is a reluctance among the older generation to discuss their sexual experiences? Yes. Yes. And (laughs) considering they were in your same roughly age group. Yes. yes, And they'd been married for a very long time. So yes. <laughs> well, coming back to the story here, the other thing, and, and it, it's just, it touches on what you've just said as well. Yeah. So the other thing was at the time that I was delving into this topic, doing the research, my mother asked me what I was doing. And to give a bit of background to this, my mother was a very prim and proper person, a real lady. I probably belonged to that group that you went to Goma with. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> But for example, I never saw my mother in any kind of undress mode and I'm sure that my siblings didn't either. Mm. Anyway, and always the naughty child, 
my response to where was I going was to tell her that I was going off to do my sex work when I was going off to do my research around sexuality and ageing. And she never did question me further. And I'm not sure to this day whether she believed me or not. She's since passed away. And on reflection, I hope I didn't cause her any unnecessary anxiety as I loved her dearly. Despite my wayward ways. <laughs> anyway, back to today's topic. You're with Dr. Sue and Fran and we're talking about sexual desire in older age. And today we'll be talking about Philip. Yes. This session's narrative is about the experience of sexual desire from an older person's perspective. Sexual desire in older age. It brought to mind a conversation that I had with my children. One's 29 now and the, the second one is 23. And it was quite startling where my older child said, Mum, parents don't have genitals. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, the thought of you having engaged in any form of sexual with dad is something that I cannot. And these these are young people who have been brought up, I would hope, with a liberal sort of education and the whole idea of, but when it's your parents, no, they don't have any genitals. There is nothing like that going on. <laughs> and I said, well, how did you and you and your sibling come? Nope, no. Well, just the, tw- just the two, we weren't there. No, no, the thought of it. And so while that was obviously a very funny way of playing, it, I really do think that Elspeth, as we spoke in a previous podcast, was very lucky to have children who would encourage the whole idea of sexual experience or any form of life, I guess. But I think there would be a great caution for a lot of people in our generation to even speak about whether they have a sexuality or a sexual experience, given the idea that it's somehow taboo, that you Mm. you really shouldn't be having that sort of thing. That's not normal, you know? And I think that's really important for us to consider as people of our age group, that just because we are over 60, we aren't dead yet. No. You know? So much for the age of emancipation. Yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, as usual, we've gone off topic. Um, That's fine. Um, So we'll go. uh, This session's narrative is about the experience of sexual desire from an older person's perspective. Strangely enough, Philip was 71 years of age with an air of circumspection about him. Philip's obvious sense of neatness and order extended to his living arrangements. His house was trim and tidy and reminiscent of the phrase, there is a place for everything and everything has a place. Philip had been married to his wife for over 30 years. In late middle age, they had separated for a few years, remaining in touch through contact with their children. Eventually, they realised that a companionable life together was preferable to living a solitary life. The couple started afresh, purchasing a new house in a new location. Philip was happy, except for one shadow on the wall. His wife had decided that their sexual relationship was over, a thing of the past. Philip revealed that he had always had a high level of sexual desire. He described himself as having a very strong need for sex in my life, a strong need. He said, in his words, I wanted to be a randy old bugger. Philip found sexual abstinence very difficult. He described the abstinence as bloody hard, but just something I have to live with. Nevertheless, Philip respected his wife's decision and remained faithful despite reportedly being propositioned by various women with whom he came in contact through his involvement in community activities and his wide social circle. Philip accepted the celibate life because he said, I've reached a certain satisfaction. The big thing is that we're very good friends and that makes all the difference in life. Having a shared life and a friendship that includes shared memories we can talk about. It's better than living on my own. 
So in looking at the discussion, Dr. Sue, was Philip trading companionship for celibacy or are the issues too complex to label? I think to a degree, Philip was trading. He, he was prepared to compromise, you know, what he could have had a richer life, but rather than live on his own, mm. he, you know, he went back to his wife and, you mm. know, forged a life, a different type of a life mm. ahead, even though it didn't quite meet his needs. Yeah, so in some ways, I think there was a trade-off there. Mm. But it and is it, a complex issue too. It is, of course. And it's not a yes-no, is it? No. No, it um, isn't. It was important to him, yes. Did that become the driving force? No. Mm. His wife's decision, was it one he wanted to influence? Yes, no. You know, so that to me, in my head, I'm seeing them side by side. And of course, we're not generalising. We're yeah. trying to put ourselves into Philip's place. He was trading. Do you think we're more or less amenable to compromise when we're older. Oh, that's tough. That's yeah. really tough. In some mm. things, I know that that is a really tough question. Mm. Probably more amenable as to what is important. As Philip wanted to be a randy old bugger, but he couldn't be. So, yeah. okay, yeah. what's the next best thing? Or is this just as good, just a different form of it? I've got friends that live alone and they would like to have a relationship, yes. but they don't want to compromise. They would rather live uh, alone yeah. than live with somebody. Mm. Okay. Know, so, okay. Friends mm. with benefits would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, regular visitations. <laughs> yeah. And following my thoughts mm. with that, I've recently moved to the area and I now have an ensuite. And I have a bathroom to myself and my daughter who shares my house has her own. And I tell you, it's a wonderful thing. I have my own bathroom. And would I be amenable to, I don't know. I don't know. That sounds quite selfish, doesn't it? That sounds quite selfish, but it's really nice. It's a very, very nice feeling to be able to have my own bathroom. Would I be amenable to sharing that? I don't know. Is it, I mean, mean, that's quite, quite trivial, I guess, and quite superficial, but those are the situations. That's right. And is over a period of time, the niggly things, are they as important in older life? I don't know. I don't think so, but there is a certain standard that we want to maintain. <laughs> I don't know. It's a, I think that's a really important question that we can ask ourselves, yes. that we have the not in the first bloom of youth, I guess, but I'd really like to have a friend. I'd really like to have someone that would – visit probably. Am I thinking making it too difficult or is it should be just, ah, oh, remember all of the, the wonderful the movies we've seen? And I have to think more about what does amenable mean, yeah. making the compromises and the relative significance of the niggly things. Are they still important? Probably not. And that's the other thing. We don't really know how long Philip would be satisfied with yes. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did follow him up for a few years and mm-hmm. he remained within the relationship. Yep, yep. So the, my feeling is that that would have continued but he might have become increasingly unhappy. Yep. And how would that manifest in a relationship? Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the good friends mm. was the mm. thing that stood out. We're, you know, we're still really good friends and we have lots of memories from the past. And it's the friendships that go on for decades, whether it's inside marriage or outside marriage, those are the ones that you tend to take as really wonderful and really precious. Yeah. Mm. You talked about the complexities there, Fran. Yeah, yeah, we sure did. Okay. <laughs> to me... Philip's narrative was a story of self-discipline and respect, of self-respect, respect for marriage and respect for the significant woman in Philip's life. It was also a narrative about risk avoidance, but I felt, avoiding the risk of loneliness. Yet, as we all know, loneliness can be experienced within a relationship mm, too. Mm, true. Mm, yes. So you've been listening to Dr. Sue and Frank Hall, and we have been talking about sexual desire in older age. The focus this week was on Philip and his decision to live a life of celibacy, preferring instant companionship of greater value to him. Thank you for listening.